So we're looking at our series much more. We've been talking about spiritual warfare. Today we're going to dig into verse 14 of Ephesians 6. Let's read it together. It says, Stand therefore. Say, Stand therefore. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And so we see here that the second piece of armor, last week we looked at the belt of truth, and here we see the second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. So what is the breastplate for? Well, a breastplate protects your heart. So Paul was wanting you and I to see spiritually what is your heart. It is the real you. It is the spirit. You are a spirit. You have a body. Sorry, you live in a body and you have a soul. But the real you is the spirit. And so the breastplate of righteousness protects your heart. It protects the real you. So here's a couple of things of the breastplate of righteousness. How you apply it, how you live it, and how you make sure you're always wearing it. Number one, write this down. Your righteousness today is a free gift. Your righteousness is a free gift. You need to receive it. You see, think about it today. If you're, in a, if you're in a battle and someone cuts your arm or someone stabs you in the leg, how many know you can still survive? But if they stab you in the heart, it's a very good chance you're going to die. And so wearing your breastplate spiritually is so important. Please write this down. This is what the Lord said to me. Your heart, your spiritual heart today is your dream factory. Your spirit is your dream factory. Now, think about that. Proverbs 4 verse 20 says this. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put away from you perverse lips. So notice what what the writer of Proverbs is saying. Your heart... Out of your spirit flow the issues of life. That word issues is a very powerful word. It means the boundaries, limitations, and freedoms of your life flow out of your spirit. So if your spirit is limited, your life is going to be limited. If your spirit is limited, your world's going to be limited. If you don't have the right boundaries in your life, the devil can walk in and he can walk out as he pleases. Just like a wall will keep people out of your physical home, your spiritual walls will keep the enemy out of your spiritual home. Say this with me. Guard your heart with all diligence. And so today, we see, and we need to understand this, that you are righteous because Jesus is righteous. It is a free gift. Now, he goes on, listen to this. In Proverbs 4 verse 20, he says, My son, this is the preceding verses to this verse we just read. He said, My son, give attention to my word. Well, he doesn't say word. He says, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Wow. The words of God are life to your flesh and health to every part of your being. So we need to guard our hearts. And that's why Paul was saying, put on that breastplate of righteousness. Because righteousness is the thing that keeps you positioned with God and in God. 
Now, many of us struggle, and I've struggled with this in my own life, and I'm sure we still struggle from time to time, but I've found myself in the last two years more grounded in this thought than ever before in my life. The struggle is that often we feel we do not deserve to be blessed. We do not deserve to be favored. We do not deserve to be victorious. How many of you know we ask ourselves the question, do I deserve this? Has anyone asked that question? All right, here's the thing. That's the wrong question. Here's what you need to ask. Does Jesus deserve to be blessed? Does Jesus deserve to be victorious? Does Jesus deserve to be an overcomer? Does Jesus deserve all the blessings of God in his life? Yes, he does. If he deserves it, so do you. Because your righteousness is not yours, it's his. And he gave it to you. So if he deserves it, you deserve it. Say, I deserve it this morning. Come on, say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So if Christ is blessed, you're blessed. Because your blessing is not contingent on you. God deals with you as if you were Jesus. 1 John 4 verse 17 says, As he is, so are we in this world. And when you and I get a hold of that, I want you to know you will step into another level of blessing, favor, and protection in your life. Because you'll realize it's not about you, it's about him. He purchased your righteousness at the cross. And when you received Jesus as your savior, he took away your unrighteousness and he established you and gave you the gift of righteousness. And that gift, he never retracts it. He never takes it away from you. So your righteousness is not something that you achieve. It's something that you receive. And when you receive that righteousness and you understand it, if you'll listen to me today, if you'll listen to the word of God today, you'll understand so much more about why people fall into sin. Why you and I sometimes fall into sin. It's because we get ourselves focused on ourselves instead of focusing on Jesus. We get ourselves focused on our performance and not on who we are in Christ. And I'll tell you what, it is liberating. Have a look at Romans 5 verse 17. It says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, say much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Through the one. Jesus Christ. How do I reign in life? Through Christ. So when you see people falling, when you see people doing things wrong, we always attack the grace of God or we attack the righteousness of God. No, no. Those people are not walking in who they are. They've taken their eyes off who they are in Christ and they're looking to themselves. And so what happens is they start to regress from where God has called them to be. Think about it. When you reign, your addictions don't. When you reign, sickness doesn't. When you reign, fear cannot. When you reign, depression has to go. When you reign, every obstacle before you has to become a molehill because it's not contingent on how good you are. It's contingent how God is. And He is good all the time. There's not a bad bone in Him. James says every good and every perfect gift comes from our Father in heaven. Say God is good this morning. It goes on. 
It goes on, you see, as you and I begin to realize this, we'll realize this, that when we are righteous before God, when we are aware of that, when we're walking in that, every obstacle has to be flushed out. Every circumstance. And you might sit there and say, oh, but uh, you know, I've been struggling with this habit for years. Oh, I'm struggling. That's great. Stop looking at the habit. Start looking at Jesus. The more aware you become of your righteousness, the less hold that has on you. Because what you give your focus, what you give your attention gets stronger in your life. So what we do sometimes as pastors, we preach, stop sinning. You've got to stop doing this. You've got to become holy. Wrong preach. Stop telling people what to do and what not to do. Start telling them who they are, what they can do in Christ, how great God is, how amazing the victory was. And guess what? They'll forget about who they are and they'll realize who they are in Christ. And then the victory will come. Can you say amen? Look at verse 21, Romans 5. It says, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Number two, the second thing about righteousness today, please write this down. You and I need to learn to be convicted of righteousness and not of our wrongdoing. Number one, righteousness is a gift. Number two, learn to be convicted by righteousness and not about your sin. Righteousness, the word righteousness is actually a legal term. And it means simply to be in right standing before God. Actually, the Vines Exploratory Dictionary of Biblical Words defines righteousness as the gracious gift of God to men whereby all who believe on Jesus Christ are brought completely into a right relationship with God. They become 100% acceptable to him. Say, I'm acceptable to him. All right, John 16, verse 7. I'm going to read this fast because it's a lot of verses this morning. Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. Are you the world? So he's not speaking to you. The sin the Holy Spirit convicts the world of is the rejection of Jesus. So when the conviction of that comes on them, they get saved. Because the preaching of the gospel brings forth faith, brings forth salvation. So he's to convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. Listen, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. He's dealing with three areas. He's dealing with the world, he's dealing with the church, and he's dealing with judgment. And when you understand that context, you'll realize as a believer, you're positioned in righteousness. And so you know when you do wrong, you know what the Holy Spirit does? He convicts you of righteousness. He says, you know what? You can do better. You can overcome this. You can be more. You can be stronger. You can walk above this. You can overcome this. Why? He's convicting you of your righteousness. He's saying you're right with God. There's nothing too difficult for you. And the minute you and I start to realize that, the stronger we become. Why? Because we're wearing our breastplate of righteousness, and so the enemy can't penetrate us with condemnation, guilt, shame, and fear, and the things that would drag us back to living in the flesh. So I'm not living in the flesh. I'm living in the spirit. 
For the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. Where will he guide you? Into all truth. For he'll not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. Sadly, some Christians think that the Holy Spirit is the convictor of their sins. And so they see him as a fault finder or a nagger. And how many know who wants to live with a fault finder and a nagger? Anybody? The Holy Spirit does not convict you of sin. You know what convicts you of sin? Your own spirit. Because your spirit has been made righteous. And it knows right from wrong. Your own conscience, when it's sensitive to God, will convict you, will show you what's right and wrong. And you know what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll come alongside and say, yes, you can do better. You can be better. You can overcome this. And those who are not overcoming, those who are living in their sin in the church, you know what the problem is? They've forgotten that they've been redeemed. They've forgotten who they are in Christ. And so they let a lower lifestyle and nature and standard govern their lives. And so they excuse their sin. And so what does the Holy Spirit says? He says, I will bring you truth. If you're not walking in truth, then you're not listening to the power of the word and the Holy Spirit working in your life. And you need to allow God. Number three, are you getting some help this morning? Say, I'm glad I came to church. Number three, the third thing about righteousness is you've got to be established in righteousness. You see, you can hear a teaching and you heard a teaching. You can hear a great word. You can come to church and get all excited and go, Woo, what a service. But if you're not established in something, then you're not going to walk in it. It's not going to be the foundation and the bedrock of your life and of your faith. And so what happens when you don't do that is you're up one day, you're down the next day, you're medium the next day, then you're further down the next day, and your life is inconsistent and it becomes frustrating. It becomes discouraging because you feel like you're never making progress. But how many of you know when you're established in something, it becomes part of your life, and so now it governs the way you live, the way you make decisions, the way you decide things, the values you create in your life are uplifted, and so guess what? Your whole life is elevated to another level. Say this with me. Say, I'm going to another level. The Holy Spirit witnesses to us that God remembers your sin no more. So the emphasis of being established in righteousness is realizing that your sins are forgiven. And so therefore, it's not your business to be depressed, to be sad, or to be oppressed. You are righteous. Because you're righteous, the fruit of the Spirit can flow in your life because you're connected to the vine. And when you're connected to the vine, everything is fine. like a Dave. <laughs> Hebrews 10 verse 13, listen with me. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering, listen, he has perfected forever, say forever, those who are being sanctified. Think about that statement a little bit. It's like a kind of a paradox. It's actually, he's saying two things by saying one thing. He's saying, I've perfected forever, so you're perfect. Those who are being sanctified, so you're not perfect. 
What's he saying? He's saying, you're established in righteousness, and from your righteousness, I'm working that out in your life, and I'm sanctifying you, which is a journey. Here's the thing. Never forget your starting point. As a believer, your starting point is always victory. Your starting point is always, I'm right with God, and from that rightness. It's like Mandy said, tell God you love him. The reason I love God is because he loved me first. The reason I want to put him first is because he put me first when I didn't deserve it. And so from that place, I can worship him. From that place, I can serve him. And so it reads on. Let's read on together. It says, but the Holy Spirit witnesses with us. For after he said before, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts and I'll write it on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of sins, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith. So think about this. As a believer, being established in righteousness gives me confidence. It gives me freedom from fear. And it gives me the understanding that I'm right with God, regardless of where I am today. I'm right with God. And from that, from that place, I can experience Christ and the resurrection of Christ in my life. Here's the thing. If you don't get established in righteousness, you'll never see the resurrection power of Christ showing up in your life. You will always be struggling in the flesh. And God doesn't want you to struggle in the flesh. He wants you to soar in the spirit. Philippians 3 verse 9 to 11. Listen to what Paul says. And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Listen, that I may know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of the sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So to experience the resurrection of power of Christ in my life, working in my marriage, in my relationships, in my ministry, in my work, in my goings around through daily, I need to be established in my righteousness. Amen. Now listen, when you're established in your righteousness, you know what happens. You start to become righteousness conscious and not sin conscious. You become righteousness conscious and not self Conscious. So that means sometimes in life, we do find the curse showing up in our lives. How I many of you can go, be, go through life and you wake up one day and, and you feel depressed or you feel like there's an oppression or you feel like there's a circumstance or something shows up in your life you didn't expect? How I many of you know the curse showed up? But here's the thing. When you're established in righteousness and you and I become righteous conscious, you know the first thing we do? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I can overcome this. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I can be led by the Holy Spirit. The first thing you should do whenever you face anything, even if you've just sinned, the first thing you should do is run back to God, get into his presence and say, Lord, I'm accepted in your presence. You see, when you don't do that, you get used to living there and that becomes your new standard. 
And sin starts to control your life. Circumstances control your life. And isn't it amazing that the word this morning confirmed that? Listen to me. When, you, when those symptoms show up and you start to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, there's something powerful that happens in your spirit because you're actually flowing with the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. Do you know something? You know the word receive. It says you don't, you don't achieve your righteousness, you receive it. That is the Greek word lambano. If you look at it in the Greek, the Greek tense, and the Greek tense has more than three tenses, past, present, future. It has continual lineal. It has a living tense. And this word lambano means a continual living tense. In other words, you've got to keep receiving the gift of righteousness. So what it's saying is, once you're established in righteousness, when you do the wrong thing, guess what it's time to do? It's time to reset your righteousness again. Push the reset button. Say, Father, you know, I missed it. I missed the mark. That's not how I should have behaved. I should not have spoken to Mandy like that. I shouldn't have sworn at Mandy. You swear at Mandy? No, I don't. (laughs) But I, I wanted some drama. I did, but... No, I didn't. No, I didn't. And, and so what you do is you say, Father, but I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I realize that I can live better. Holy Spirit, thank you that you helped me. What are you doing? You're lambanoing your righteousness. You're resetting it. You're reminding yourself who you are, and you start from the start again. Can you say amen? Say, God isn't finished with me yet. Number four, the fourth thing about your righteousness this morning, this is probably my favorite one. Confess you are the righteousness of God. Learn to confess you the righteousness of God. You know why? Because it pleases God. Every time you say, I'm the righteousness of God, you know what happens? The angels rejoice. God gets happy. The Holy Spirit is blessed. And Jesus starts to do a little dance up there next to, G- next to God. I don't know if that's how he dances, but it might be. You don't know. Look at Romans 10 verse 5 to 13. For Moses writes about righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith, listen, speaks in this way. The righteousness of faith, what does it do? Speaks. The righteousness of faith speaks. Come on, say it with me. The righteousness of faith speaks. What are you saying with your mouth? is establishing your heart, your mind, and your soul to go in a certain direction. Say this with me. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you say that, you make God happy. Now, you can go read the rest of that verse. Read it all the way, if you would, as homework to verse 13. But I want to encourage you today. You'll see this. Every time you confess that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, God the Father is pleased. When you confess that you're the righteousness of God in Christ, it reminds God of his sacrifice. It establishes him as the Lord of your life because he's the one who gave it to you. And he covenanted that that righteousness would be forever. So when you establish it, you're pleasing God. Number two, when you confess you're the righteousness of God, guess what? You please Jesus because he died for you so that you could be righteous. 
And listen to this. When you, complete, when you confess you're the righteousness of God, you turn the Holy Spirit on because he gets so excited because you're flowing with him in him convicting you that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit gets excited. Do you want to please the, the Trinity? Amen? Confess you're righteous. It'll attract God's blessing to you. Now, I'm not going to get nearly where I wanted to today, but that's fine. Matthew 6 verse 33, listen to this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. How many of you know we love to focus on seek first? We all preach, seek first. What did he tell you to seek? No, 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 no. Read it again. First seek the kingdom of God and whose righteousness? Your righteousness. No, whose righteousness? His righteousness. Keep seeking the kingdom means keep seeking his righteousness. Not yours, not someone else's, his righteousness. Here's the thing. You don't have to use your faith for everything. Just use it for one thing. Seeking his righteousness. And God will add everything else to you. He didn't say he'd give it. He said he'd add it. (laughs) He'll add it to your life. Wow. Wow. Wow, seek his righteousness, he'll add everything. So you know what? Don't write this off as just something simple, just a, a, you know, a clever sway of words. No, no, you're underestimating the power of belief. When you believe right, when you believe that you're made the righteousness of God, you know what? The word says you end up producing the fruits of righteousness in your life. And when you start producing the fruits of righteousness, guess what they are? The nine fruits of the Spirit start to show up in your life simply because you're believing and confessing that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Go read 1 Peter, where it speaks about add to your faith, you know, virtue, add to your virtue, peace, and so on and so on. Go read the rest of that chapter. It says, those who have forgotten that they were forgiven from their sins end up living in them again. So when you forget you're righteous, You open the door for the enemy to lie to your mind, to sow the seeds of discouragement and the seeds of the lies of the enemy that drags you back down. And we'll look at, if we get time next week, we'll talk about the helmet of salvation. Because I asked the Lord this week, I'm like, how how come if I put the breastplate of righteousness on and I've got the shield of faith, do I need a helmet? No, no. It's easy to say, of course you do. Why? No, no. Your righteousness protects you from the lies of the enemy. Your shield of faith, it says, stops the fiery darts, which are the lies. So you know what your helmet's to do? To protect you from your own thoughts. You see, it's not just the enemy's thoughts, it's your own thoughts because you're a fallen nature and your flesh has its own set of thoughts. So we blame the devil for it. Do you ever hear about that joke? Someone walked past the devil, you're sitting on the side of the road crying, and the person turned and said, devil, why are you so upset? He says, I've just had enough of this. I get blamed for everything that goes wrong. (laughs) If it was me, I would have jumped on his head and said, yes, absolutely, you're to blame. Anyway, that doesn't go with the joke, so we'll just leave that there. But here's the reality. Listen, he's not to blame for everything because you have your own thoughts. You have your own actions, and you need to become responsible for that. 
Can you see what I'm saying? Yes, ultimately the enemy is the God of the world and he creates all the havoc and whatever. But you've got to learn to walk in who you are. And you know when you start to do that, holiness starts to show up. Will you just give me, my clock says I've got six minutes left. But the clock up there says it's nine o'clock. So we're just going to go with my clock. Is that good? Can I have five minutes? They got way too clever now. It's like, I'm not putting up my hand. Forget about it. Claude would be so proud of you. (laughs) All right, quickly, let me just give you the piece, all right? So number four of righteousness is confess your righteousness that pleases God. So let's look at the next verse just quickly. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is a big word. We always focus on peace, but it's way more than that. It says having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So it's not just talking about wearing peace. It's including that on your feet. It's saying peace and feet means I've got to walk in peace. I understand that, but it's way more than that. It's having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, which means you and I need to realize God's empowered us with our spiritual armor so we can tell others about Jesus. And I want you to know, Christians lose their strength, their vitality, their challenge in their lives when they stop telling others about Jesus and what he's done in their lives. And I want to encourage you today as a church, it's time to get back to witnessing to other people. I'm not talking about preaching, Bible bashing, standing on the street corner, shouting at people. I'm talking about letting your life be a witness. It's like the one preacher said, you don't have to say a lot, just live it. Amen? But here's the thing. There's got to be a purpose behind it. One of the things that excited Mandy and I about joining the gym is we're like, there are a whole lot of unsaved people there, and we need to get into that arena where we can be light and life and healing and victory. And I even stood up on my box. I'm so tired after jumping on that box, the last thing I feel like is preaching. I haven't stood on my box and said anything, but what I'm going to do, man, we're going to do our best to live our lives, to be a blessing, to look for an opportunity to pray, to encourage, to be kind, to show a testimony so that we get a chance to witness. Can you see what? So the gospel's shoes is way more than just peace. Now, peace is amazing. The word shalom actually means wholeness, completeness, not completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. When, when someone says peace in Hebrew, they would they say shalom, shalom. It means wholeness, blessedness, completeness, nothing completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. That's how deep that word is. And I wish we had time to go to it. But let me just say this to you because I didn't want to miss this opportunity. Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, our God reigns. Think about every situation you're in and ask yourself, how can I be good news? That's walking in peace. How can I be good news in this situation? How can I be good news in this situation? How can I be good news? And then tame your words to accommodate building a bridge and not lighting a fire. Sometimes the greatest way to proclaim the good news is just keep quiet. 
in your relationships in every area. So let me just quickly throw these out. Number one, remember today, peace is an inheritance. It's not just something God left you. He gave it to you. He bequeathed it to you. It's part of your inheritance. It's your right. It's your covenant right to have peace. Okay, number two. The second thing that you need to remember is you've got to make a decision to remain in peace. It doesn't happen automatically. You've got to make a choice. It's, a, it's an intentional decision we make. Number three, and this is what I wanted to just do. Number three, you've got to let peace be your umpire. Colossians 2 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. It actually means to be the umpire. When we make decisions for our lives and for our church, we always let the peace of God rule. If we don't have peace, it might look right, but if we don't have peace, we don't make the choice. Sometimes it'll look wrong, but we have peace and we'll make the choice because let peace be the umpire. So Peter's going to roll this clip. This is what not to do with your umpire. And of course, we didn't play you the McEnroe clip, which is probably the best of all time. But the reality is this, not to mention he was banned from the game and found a whole lot of money. But you know, that's not how to treat your umpire. And the peace of God is supposed to be your umpire. And there's some things I've had peace about that I got really upset about. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. Keep the peace. Put on those gospel shoes. Be ready to speak the right words, words that are wholesome, encouraging, and uplifting. So I'm going to close today. We're going to just play you one more clip, and I'm going to read a scripture, and we'll do the altar call. You there, soldier of God, I've been asked to remind you that the enemy roams around like a lion, put the lights looking off. for a soul to devour. Do not let it be you. So while you sleep, he plots. While you laugh, he schemes. So put on your helmet of salvation. Put on your breastplate of righteousness. Put on that belt of truth. Make sure the shoes of peace are tight. Don your shield. You will need it. For when the enemy throws his fiery darts at you. And most importantly, make sure your sword is sharp. The word of God is the only tool we have to fight this enemy. So know it. Be well trained in it. And do not be afraid. For God do not give us a spirit of fear. And remember that if God goes before us and is with us, who, dare I say, can stand against us? God speed, soldiers. We've won already. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to remind you today, you are a warrior. And in Luke 10, verse 19, it says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
So today, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're here today, you're not born again, if you are born again, but you haven't been serving God the way you know you want to, then you can raise your hand right now. I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're here today, you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And today you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life so that you can begin to tap into the reality of all who you are in Christ. If that's you, raise your hand. I would love to pray for you on any one of those three invitations. If you'll just stand, if you want to receive the baptism, if you want to be born again, or if you want to rededicate your life, I'd love to pray for you. Father, I thank you, therefore, for your word that's been sown in our hearts. Perhaps you're online today. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Would you shoot us a WhatsApp or an email? We'll get in touch with you and we'll lead you through the steps of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But if you want to be born again, would you simply pray this prayer out loud with us here in the church today and Jesus will come and live in your heart. Let's pray together. Father, I believe today that you are the Son of God that you died for my sin and that you were raised from the dead so that I could be saved. I thank you, Father God, for Jesus and I receive him into my heart today as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now, if you prayed that prayer online, please send us an email or send us a WhatsApp. We'd love to be in touch with you. We'd love to disciple you, send you a Bible, send you a book that'll explain what it means to be born again. We love you. We're praying for you. Church, thank you so much. As you leave today, you can sow your finances. If you're online, there's a snap scan appearing on your code right now, or you can follow to our website. You can get our bank details. Don't forget to sow into our car guard fund. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. And we can't wait to see you in small groups or at Bible study on Wednesday at Hopper 6 online. Be blessed and keep your armor on.